a fairer region among the angels song. They are happy as they sing that old sweet song. Sing to me of heaven, let me fondly dream of its golden glory, of its curly gleam. Sing to me when shadows of the evening fall. Sing to me of heaven, sing the sweetest song of all. Sing to me of heaven tenderly and low, till the shadows o'er me rise and swiftly go. When my heart is weary, when the day is long, Sing to me of heaven, sing that old sweet song. Sing to me of heaven, let me fondly dream of its golden glory, of its pearly gleam. Sing to me when shadows of the evening fall. Sing to me of heaven, sing the sweetest song of all. It's a dark night. It's storming. The rain is just flooding down and in sheets, and it's late, you're driving your car, and all of a sudden you hear something start knocking. And you know it's not right. You know it's going to be bad. And you end up having to pull over from the, on the side of the road, and you can't get your car to run. It's midnight. You've got to get home. Maybe you're in a strange part of town. Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call to come and help you in that circumstance. If you don't have a community, you might be in trouble. But if you belong to a community that loves you and cares for you, there's probably someone that you can pick up your phone or dial on your cell phone and say, brother, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in bad place. Can you come and help me? And that brother's going to come and do just that. Because you belong to a community. You belong to a group of people that love you and care for you. Last week we started talking about this idea of community and the fact that it seems to be one of the buzzwords that some people in some circles in political science and sociology are talking about these days is community. Well, what is a community? What does that look like? The more I read about some of the things that people are saying about community, I think that's the church. The church is a community. Last week we began looking at this idea of a community by, by considering the concept of a shared interest. One of the things that sociologists talk about is that a community is a group of people that have shared interests and they continue to come back with, to one another because of this shared interest. But another characteristic of a community is the idea of being bounded together with people who share a concern for one another. And folks, that ought to be the church. 
The church ought to be a group of people that are bounded together. This morning, I want us to think about this characteristic of community and to see, is this really the church? Is the church a community? What does the Bible have to say about us being bounded together? We're going to look at a number of passages this morning that talk about this concept. But i got to be honest with you. If you do a search for the word bound or, or bind, you're not going to find much in the, New, in the New Testament or the Old Testament for that matter. Unless it's talking about sheep being bound for a sacrifice, that sort of thing. Uh, we sometimes sing the song, blessed be the tie that binds. Uh, but you're not going to find that term very often in, the, in, in Scripture. But I do believe you're going to find the concept. In fact, we're going to see, as we look through some of these passages today, that there's quite a bit that the Bible has to say about how closely bound together we ought to be. So I want us this morning to think about how should we view our relationship together. If we talk about being bound together, we're talking about relationships. How should we view our relationship with one another? Secondly, what do we do or how can we achieve that kind of a relationship with one another in the church? And finally, what can we do specifically to facilitate those sorts of relationships? So let's begin by thinking about how should we view our relationship as a congregation, as a church today. Begin by looking at Colossians chapter 2. And as you turn to uh, the book of, of Colossians, uh, remember that the church at Colossae was not a church that Paul had ever been to. Uh, he was not the person that uh, preached to these folks uh, and uh, brought them into a relationship with Christ, but they evidently knew Paul uh, and had some concerns, and Paul evidently is writing to them to talk about some of those things. Uh, and as he writes to them, uh, he talks about uh, different churches and the fact that uh, uh, he's written to some different churches uh, and he's concerned about all churches. But notice what Paul says, Colossians chapter 2, we'll start in verse 1, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 1. Paul says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea. And for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from full assurance of understanding, resulting in true knowledge of God, uh, God's mystery, that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. Did you notice that phrase that Paul uses? When he's talking about all these churches that, that he's concerned about that have not personally seen, him, seen his face. You see, the Colossae church is, is that church. It's one of those churches that have not personally seen his face. But he says, I still love you. I'm still concerned for you. But notice the phrase that he says. I, I, my, my concern for them in part is that they will have their hearts encouraged. And you notice this phrase that he uses, having been knit together in love. We may not find the word bound, but we see this phrase in which Paul is saying, this is what I pray for, this is what I struggle for, for all of these churches, is that they can be encouraged. Encouraged how? Having, been, having their hearts knit together. I've got a confession to make this morning. Shannon, I haven't knit anything. I've never taken up crochet. I've never done any of those things. I think one time in sixth grade we had, you know, some little 
you know, hook latch thing, you know, uh, in one of my uh, home ec classes we were required to take that sort of thing. Uh, but other than that, the sewing is not me, in case you didn't know it, okay? But don't you like clothes and blankets and things that are knit? Especially things that are knit. Shannon was sharing about one of his grandparents uh, this morning, one of his grandmothers, who used to crochet all the time and knit and that sort of thing. We enjoy those things. But if you have a piece of clothing that's knit together, isn't it hard to just kind of rip apart? I mean, some folks can do it, right? Uh, you know, the guys on wrestling seem to be able to do that quite easily, right? Uh, but something that's knit together, it is together. It is one piece. It, 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 it serves a function together. And Paul says, I want these churches I want these congregations to be encouraged, and the way that they are encouraged is by being knit together, having their hearts knit together in love. Folks, that's being bounded together. When you are sewn and interwoven, integrated uh, with, with, with somebody else, you are concerned for them. You care for them. You love them. And that's what Paul says. That's what being bounded together is. And so Paul tells the, tells the church of Colossae, he says, this is what I struggle for. This is one of the things I, I, I pray for you about, is that you'll be encouraged, that you will be knit together. That's what Paul says to the church at, 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 at Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, and verse 27. This is a church that Paul has spent some time with. Uh, this is what he says to this church. Philippians chapter 1, and verse 27 talking about how this church ought to operate together. He says, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too, from God. The phrase that we're looking at here uh, is in verse 27 when he says, with one mind striving together. That's the idea of being bounded together again. Only it's a little bit different than having your hearts knit together. This time, Paul says, you are striving together. You are working together. And you're doing that with one mind. He's going to say in just a few verses, as you move down into chapter 2, he gives us that great example of Christ. He says, who, who, who humbled himself to the point of, of death on the cross. And he says, have this same attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. And, and so we have that attitude of oneness, having one mind, striving together. That's being bound together. It's a community in which you say there is one main purpose that we have, one main function that we have, and we're going to do it together, all of us working together. So you have your hearts knit together, but then you are working together, side by side, hand in hand, arm in arm, as the song says. And so we strive together. As you look at this, he says, verse 7, standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together uh, for the faith of the gospel. As we come down into chapter 2, 
He says in verse 2, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in one spirit, intent on one purpose. Same, 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 one, one, one. You see, that's being bounded together. That's what the church ought to be. Working as one. Have you ever seen an organization where you have different people going in different directions? Sometimes even in contradictory directions? Does that organization last long? Does that organization function well? Does it accomplish what it's seeking to accomplish? No. Those organizations do not function well. They, they don't exist much longer unless they're able to correct those problems. And so Paul says, as a community, as a church, you need to have this same attitude, this, this idea of one purpose, and strive together, work together. And of course, perhaps one of the greatest passages for us is Ephesians chapter 2. We actually looked a little bit at the last week, but we're going to look at it again, this time with, with a different angle. This time we're looking at it from the standpoint of being bound together. But notice what Paul says, Ephesians chapter 2, we're, we'll start in verse 19. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, notice that, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. He says it twice in two different ways here. But he says you're being fitted together, verse 21, you are being built together into the dwelling of God, verse 22. It's that idea of togetherness. Now again, you know, we can be together in a lot of different ways. We can be together, football game. I'm not going to mention any names, Shannon. Uh, but you can be together at a football game, uh, and then you go home after the end of the game, right? But that's not really the type of being together that we're talking about here. He says, first of all, you're being fitted together into a building. You are built together into the dwelling place of God. And I want you to think about what kind of buildings you would like to live in. Think about what type of buildings uh, you would like to work in. Do you want to be in a building that's kind of like uh, the building of one of those three little pigs, you know, that just got the straw or the, or the, 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 the little sticks of wood and, and put that thing together? No, you, that's not the building you want to be a part of. You want to be a part of a substantive building where the two-by-fours and the sheetrock and all those things are fit together. They are square. Uh, they are designed well. And they are fastened together. Just like that knit that Paul talked about with the church at Colossae. A strong building is fastened together. And that's the idea of bound, being bound that, that we talk about when we talk about in terms of community. There's something that brings us together, that puts us together. We are one unit. That's what the church is. When sociologists talk about a, a community being a group of people that are bound together and have concern for another, folks, that's not a drop in the bucket to what the church ought to be. It ought to be a group of people that are interwoven, fitted together, striving together to accomplish God's work and God's plan. 
that's the view of community that we ought to have. That's the view of our relationship that we ought to have. There's one other passage I want to look at this morning. And that's Hebrews chapter 10, starting about verse 24. As you turn over to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, uh, one of the other things that uh, uh, sociologists talk about when they talk about in terms of, of community is they say that oftentimes they have a single place where they meet and they gather on a regular basis. But I think that flows well with this idea of being bound together. If you look at what the Hebrew writer says about how we ought to interact in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 24. He says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving a knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Now we're just taking one little snapshot out of what the Hebrew writer is having to say here. Uh, he actually has uh, several exhortations that he says that these Christians ought to do. But when we notice in verse 24, he says, we ought to consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. You see, part of being bound together is the fact that we can talk straight with each other. Now, part of being bound together means that we want to encourage each other to love each other, but also to do and practice good deeds. And he says, the Hebrew writer does, that the way you do that is by getting together and not forsaking your coming together. And he says, the reason this is so important is because life is tough. And sometimes because life is tough, we are tempted to live a lifestyle that we know God doesn't want us to live. And when we do that, we no longer have that sacrifice of sins waiting for us. That's Jesus Christ. And says so the only thing that remains is the terrifying expectation of God's judgment. And so it's important that we come together and we spend time with each other because when we do that, we encourage each other to practice those love and good deeds. Some folks will ask the question, why do I need to go to church? I can believe in God and worship God right here. And I'm sure that there are folks that are sincere as they worship God wherever they are. And there's certainly nothing wrong with you out in your week and wherever you're going uh, to have a moment of worship of, of God. You, that's true. You can worship God and you don't have to have a bunch of other people around to do that. But you see, there's more to Christianity and there's more to being a part of God's people than simply worship. God wants us to be a community. He wants us to be a community that cares for each other and is concerned for each other and takes care of each other. That's why when I ask the question on that dark, stormy night when it's raining and the rain's just coming down in sheets and it breaks down and you're in a strange part of town and it's late at night, who are you going to call? Hopefully you're going to call a brother in the church. Maybe you might call a family member. That's fine, too. We'll let you do that. But you see my point. Now, let's say you're on the other end of that call. How quick are you going to be to get in your car and go help the brother? Who would you feel comfortable calling you at midnight to come and get you off the side of the road? That's community. 
That's being bound together in love. And that's what the church ought to be. So if that's how we view our relationship, let's ask the next question, which is uh, how do we achieve our relationship? And again, we look to the, the writings of Paul here in the New Testament. Romans chapter 12 uh, is a great chapter uh, which talks about how we can build relationships with one another. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. This comes on the end of Paul's talking about the different roles that people serve in the church. But notice what he says in verse 9. He says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Giving preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, preserving, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. We'll pause there for a second, but notice some of the language that he uses. First thing he says in verse 9 is, let love be without hypocrisy. And he uses the word agape, that self-sacrificing love. He says, let that love be without hypocrisy. Let it be without being two-faced. You know what it is to love with the, as a two-faced, right? You can say all the right words, but the actions aren't there. You say all the right words because you know they're the words you're supposed to say. But if the actions aren't there, that's not love. You have to have love. And then he digs us a little bit more here. In verse 10, he says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. He uses a lesser word for love here. The word for devoted is actually a, a variation of brotherly love, uh, but it's a word that means honest affection. Sometimes that can be a little bit tough, tougher than sacrificial love. Because I can practice self-sacrifice out of a sense of duty, I suppose, but when you tell me I have to like the person, sometimes that's tough. And the word devoted here can also be translated affection. He says, be devoted to each other, affectionately care for one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. Oh, wait. Oh, you know, so we get this idea of self-sacrifice. We say, oh, you know, that means I'm going to help somebody out every once in a while. And sometimes that's easier to do than, than verse 10 here, where he says, I have to give preference to someone else. Uh-uh. If, if I want to go to on the border, we're going to go to on the border, right? We can go to Olive Garden some other time, right? But you see, giving preference says, instead of me thinking about myself, I'm going to do what somebody else wants to do. I'm going to look out for somebody else's needs and concerns above my own. And, and sometimes that's harder for us. But you see, that's how we build relationships. He, he's not talking to husbands and wives here, although that would certainly apply. He's talking about our relationships with one another in the church. Skip down into verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Sounds a lot like what we talked about in the Bible class this morning. But you see, we build relationships by verse 15 
rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. Sometimes we have brethren in our congregation uh, who have some kind of success, who have some sort of accomplishment. And instead of being jealous of that, instead of being upset with that, we ought to rejoice with those folks and, and be happy for them and celebrate that with them. Sometimes we have folks in the congregation, they're going through a hard time. They're facing uh, job loss or they're, they're facing uh, disease in the family or they're facing some sort of hardship. And we ought to weep with them and help them as we have the opportunity. That's how you build relationships. You see, when you're willing to come and sit with me, when you're willing to come satisfy a need in my life, it's kind of hard for me not to have that affection towards you, isn't it? It's kind of hard for me not to have love for you if you do those things for me and with me. That's how you build relationships. So what can we do? What can we do to do that? Verse 9 says that we're devoted to each other. We have that affection, that heartfelt devotion, verse 10. And so we need to do things that will help us build those types of bonds. Number one, we need to increase our interaction from time to time. We have Bible class and worship so that we can interact with each other in, in Bible study and, and applying God's word. But we also have time to serve together. You remember uh, the little slogan or the little motto on our logo is serve, worship, grow. And we put serve first because we wanted to convey this idea that we want to be serving. And as we serve together, we will build relationships with one another. We'll build relationships with outside the church. We'll have opportunities in, such as fellowship to get to know each other. The first step is to get to know each other, increase those interactions. We need to get back into homes, back into mutual interests. You know, back in the 70s, back in the 80s, it wasn't uncommon for people in the church to, to visit each other quite often. Our culture, our social media, seems to have taken that away from us. We ought to get back in the practice of being in each other. We ought to get back in the practice of, of sharing other interests uh, that we have with each other. Uh, people that like to go bowl, go bowl. People that like to do other things, go do those things together with your brethren in the church. That will build those relationships. Sometimes we need to do something nice for someone unexpectedly. Just make someone a pie. Just make someone uh, a cake. Uh, do something nice for somebody else. You know that somebody likes something, just go get that thing for them, just for fun, and then serve each other. When you know that somebody has a need, serve them. Help satisfy that need. And if we do that, we will be building solid relationships. When you're stuck on the side of the road, who are you going to call? Hopefully you're going to call a brother or a sister in your community because you've been bounded together, knit together in love. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to be knit together with Christ by being united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. Maybe you have other needs that you want the church to be aware of. Whatever those needs are, won't you come? Let those things be known as together we stand and sing. To Jesus I surrender.